This is the Hugo Award-winning SF Signal podcast. I'm your host. My name is Patrick Hester, and I'm an author, a blogger, and a podcast dude. I've got a brand new ebook out. You should go check it out. It's called Cahill's Unfinished Business. Tonight, I have a very special panel brought to you by the good folks at the Pikes Peak Writers Conference, of which I am apparently a part of because, uh, well, I'll talk about that in a second. But PPWC takes place April 15th through the 17th in Colorado Springs, Colorado, in the shadow of Pikes Peak. And this is the part I was going to talk about before. In the, full, in the interest of full disclosure, I have totally drank the Kool-Aid down there and they put me on the board of directors for the 501c3 so the whole thing behind it so I, I just I'm there now so for more information on Pikes Peaks Writers on the annual conference on any of that stuff please visit pikespeakwriters.com and my panelists today are all going to be there they're going to be talking about writing and teaching young writers and old writers how to be better writers and about the business and all that kind of good stuff and you know they're going to have books and all that in the bookstore, I'm sure, and, and do signings and all that kind of good stuff. So let's 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 just say hello to everybody. First off, we'll say hello to Carol. Hello. How are you? I'm good. Long time no speak. It has been a little while. Yes, we saw each other at Mile High Con across the room. Yes, we waved. We waved. I waved at you. I you waved did. at you at, at Worldcon. Yes, at Worldcon as well. In Spokane, yep. but you didn't look up. Well, it, there was too much smoke. Yes, I couldn't. Was, I couldn't, I couldn't go- see. Smoke got in your eyes. It did, yes. Mm-hmm. And, and Carol, who are you and what do you do? Um, I am a writer of... That's convenient. Epic, yes, yes, it helps. Um, of epic fantasy novels. I write big, complicated stories of great events, but I write them from the uh, very personal point of view. That's what I like to say is the is the spin on it. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I like I like big with lots of fantasy, uh, lots of magic, and <laughs> different worlds. I have five different series and a standalone, and I've just finished up my this fifth series, which is first time I've ever gone back to a world I created in another series. So that was an adventure. I bet it was. And what what's your latest book? My latest book is called Ash and Silver. It's the second and final volume of the novels of Sanctuary. Very cool. And do you have a website? I do. It's www.carolberg.com. And there's no E at the end of Carol, so it's just (laughs) C-A-R-O-L-B-E-R-G. I knew I would be a cooler person if I had an E at the end of Carol, but I don't. Well, people would be singing your songs all the time, too. Uh, (laughs) That's true. And I'm curious, do you you like people to find you on social media? I do. I'm on Facebook. I'm I'm a a Twitter neophyte, Mm -hmm. so I'm just just sort of barely there. But on Facebook, I I, uh, interact a lot, so I'm just Carol Berg. Very cool. Next up, I have Evangeline. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm pretty good. And what do you do? I am, surprise, surprise, also a writer. Um, I planned it. (laughs) It is. My debut novel, which is uh, Curio, just released January 5th, and it is a young adult steampunk fantasy. And why did you go YA? I'm just curious. Oh, I wish I had gone YA a long time ago. (laughs) I started writing about 10 years ago, and I wandered around through genres. I have a couple picture books published, and then I found YA and fell in love and 
you know, I wish I had known years ago, but you can't change your journey. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. And do you have a website? I do. It's www.evangelindenmark.com. And pretty much if you put in my weird name, you're going to find me because <laughs> not many other people are named Evangeline Denmark. <laughs> and do you do social media? Yes, I'm on uh, Facebook, Twitter, it's uh, at Evangeline D, and uh, Instagram, Pinterest, Very all cool. the places. Very cool. And last but certainly not least, we have Warren. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. Got that deep baritone voice going. Yeah, it's because I, like I have a little bit of a cold. <laughs> oh, sure, sure. You know, when I have a cold like that, I just want to record the blues. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite music genre. Oh, it is mine, too, so we're going to have to talk about that. Yeah, we will. Uh, <laughs> and Warren, why don't you tell folks who you are and what you do? I'm a writer. I've written uh, four science fiction novels. The first three are the cop novels, and they're very dark, gritty, science fiction noir. They're currently out of print. They went out of print about a year ago, but they're coming back in print Woo. later well, end of February. End of February, early March. Uh, right. They'll be coming back out. And my newest book is with HarperCollins, and it's called Tides of Maritania. It's a science fiction spy novel. So it's just as dark, but a little less gritty uh, than the uh, cop novels. And when, what did Aaron Michael Ritchie say about it? He says a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I can't keep track of of. of of all the things he has said. So I'm not sure what he said. Do you know <laughs> I, what he said? I don't know either. I'm just curious. I was just, I was just wondering. Because I, I can hear him in my head now. At this yeah, point. hopefully you know, something positive, but I, I won't guarantee he, it. He was probably sitting there saying, well, Warren Hammond, well, this is a, this is a phenomenal book. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope so. And then being taller than you on purpose. Because that's yeah, what he does to me. he's a tall guy. He does that yeah. to me, yeah. I, I don't appreciate it. So... Everybody here is going to be at Pikes Peak Writers, which is, again, in April. It's like the, the 15th through the 17th. Does does anybody know what they're going to be doing yet? Carol, do you know what you're going to be doing? I know one thing that I'm going to be doing, which is to be a pre-conference long workshop. I don't know whether it's three hours or four hours. Is that the Thursday call, The Thursday? Yeah, add-on? the Thursday ones. Okay. Yeah, the Thursday add-on workshop. I'm going to do one called Fantasy Fundamentals where I'll be talking about both Ooh. about subgenres of fantasy, about common pitfalls of writing fantasy, new, new writers' mistakes, about how you can make your fantasy uh, more original and different and things you don't want to forget. Just It's going to be a hodgepodge of, of everything about writing fantasy. And, and Carol, you've been to Pike's Peak Writers a couple times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Probably, I would say, at least 10 times. I It was the first writers' conference I ever went to back in 1998. In 1999, I won their contest and pitched my book to an editor, and I met with an agent, and my that editor bought my first seven books, and my agent is still my agent. Um, I went back as a teacher I went then I went back as a keynote speaker and I go back whenever I can that is a that's a great story I love that story <laughs> I, I do no I do because you, you went there and and you had success and then you keep coming back and and like giving back to to other writers that's exactly what I, I want to do I've told people <laughs> I at the first year I think it was the first year I went I had a reading critique with Carol Berg Yes, you did. <laughs> and, and I was ridiculously nervous. And, but you were awesome. 
Oh. Well, I try to be awesome at all times. (laughs) And I'm curious, Evangeline, have you ever been to Pike's Peak Writers before? I have. I think this will be my fourth or fifth year that I've been. So I've gone as an attendee and I've I've taught classes before as well. And do you know anything that you're going to be doing yet? Yes, I'm going to be doing a workshop called Help, I'm Addicted to YA, (laughs) (laughs) which is kind of, (laughs) it's kind of for, you know, for the, those of us who uh, maybe have been told we're not supposed to read YA, which is silly. And it's just kind of exploring what makes it popular, what makes it work. And then I'm doing a workshop on clothing and kind of how that reflects who has power and who doesn't in a story. And then the other one is finding the heart of your speculative novel. And for the purposes of the listeners, just so you, you understand, we're, we're recording this a little early. So that's why I keep asking, do they know what they're going to be on yet? So that, that's kind of why I'm doing that. Uh, Warren, how about you? Have you ever been there before? And, I have. Okay. How many times? Uh, I think twice. Okay. Were, um, were you there last year? I was there last year, but I was in the bar. Oh. <laughs> I was doing what they call bar con. How did I not um, see you? I was there in the bar. <laughs> well, I don't know. I was keeping a low profile. I but guess. um yeah, no, Angie was there doing quite a few workshops. And so I wasn't part of the programming last year. So I was just there as her hanger on. And uh so I was writing quite a bit, just sitting in the bar. And and again, for the benefit of the listeners, he's talking about Angie Hodap. Yes. Who is she teaches she taught the business of writing last year. She was talking about contracts specifically. She was talking about foreign rights too. And and the things that she does. And she reminds me a little bit of Christine Catherine Rush in that uh, Chris has this wonderful blog called Rush on Business that scares the living shit out of me. <laughs> when she talks about the the publishing business and some of the stuff that Angie, you know, comes up with you're like, "Holy crap. I didn't even know that could happen." <laughs> yeah, she's she's pretty uh, savvy. Yeah, uh, for any listeners who don't know, she works for a literary agent, and yes. so she does a lot of contract work. And uh, she's also a writer, and so kind of knows the business from every angle that you can think of. Yes, ridiculously smart. Indeed. Yes. So anyway, you were there, you were hanging out, but you were you were in the background. I was yes. And this year, you're presenting. You're doing stuff. This year I am, yeah. I've got uh, I've got four things actually. So I'm doing one of those three hour things like Carol on three Thursday. Yeah, we're two. Yeah. So that one's going to be scene and sequel, the building blocks of story. So talking a lot about plot structure and scene structure. We're also going to do. I'm going to do one with Angie, which will be expand and contract. So we'll be talking about, you know, kind of expanding or dilating time. You know, when to zoom in when to summarize, when to expand, when to contract on a particular moment in time in your writing. Interesting. Um, I'll be doing one on mood and atmosphere. Mm -hmm. And my last... Which which would be huge with with the noir stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's a big part of noir writing. uh, But I think it's a part of all writing, you know, to different degrees. And so I think uh, hopefully it'll give people kind of some interesting ideas and how they think about their setting. And and I have no idea if you guys are gamers. Do you do you do you role play? Do you play like Savage Worlds with the noir setting? No, I haven't played that. Okay. Yeah. And then the last one I'm doing is uh, just kind of a speculative fiction subgenres and tropes where we'll talk about just what are all the different components of the genre, help people maybe a little bit in figuring out when they write their query letters or they make their pitches, kind of what genre they're actually in, which is important. It is. And and there's 
just to, to kind of throw it out there and, and break down how the, the conference works, it, it runs Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's all-inclusive in that you get fed, right? So everybody sits together for food. Mm-hmm. So your your price includes eating with people. And you can and you can go in and, and, and you can find different tables to sit at. And Carol might be hosting a table. Evangeline might be, be hosting a table. Warren might be hosting a table. And you can actually go and sit down and talk to them a little bit. I, I especially think you should just you know sit really close and uh which (laughs) i'm actually joking because you have no no choice but to sit really close and (laughs) this is true (laughs) otherwise you can't hear yes yes (laughs) but you can you can sit with agents editors authors and you could you can enjoy a meal with them and and kind of chat and pick their brain a little bit about stuff but also that's like the main conference and then there's the thursday add-on which is what carol and warren are talking about where you have these these intense blocks like three-hour classes in the morning and in the afternoon i think I think lunch is served with that, but it's a it's a separate it's a separate deal you have to pay separately from the rest of the conference to do. Unless I'm horribly mistaken. That Which, is correct. Oh, it's correct that I'm horribly mistaken? But no. <laughs> <laughs> you're okay, I'm not gonna get there. <laughs> no, you're saying that I am right that it is a it is, it an, is add-on an add-on. Yes, it is okay. an add-on. Yes. And uh, so the the price for admission for the regular conference is just the three days with food. Uh, there's like coffee, drinks, and stuff throughout the day. There might be a breakfast on one day. I know there's a there's lunch and like the banquet dinners. So mm-hmm. so that's usually how that works. Well, it, it sounds like you guys are are all going to have a lot of fun. And and Warren mentioned Barcon. Does everybody yeah. does everybody know about Barcon? I, I certainly do. do. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I do. That's one of the first things I learned about. <laughs> Carol, do you want to explain Barcon? Well, any convention where writers are, a lot of the most fun things happen in the bar because mm-hmm. that's where you go. That's where you can go and meet people that you've heard on panels or heard on in workshops. It's where you can meet that person that you sat beside and rolled your eyes during a bad presentation <laughs> and you can sit and talk to them, you know, all sorts of wonderful conversations and business. And the most important thing, the first thing I learned about a writer's conference and, and also Uh, genre conventions like science fiction or mystery conventions is building your network of people you know it's 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 the coolest thing that over the years you find yourself developing you know you have friends in Canada you have friends in California you have friends from everywhere that you've met at one of these events and there's nothing like you know sitting there with a beer or a glass of wine or a margarita and and talking about writing with other writers there's nothing more fun than that or or there's also the the bartender usually comes up with custom drinks for the keynotes based on their fiction and this year the keynote speakers are going to be kevin j anderson uh, rachel kane joe r lansdale jeff Lindsay. And Wendy Corsi Staub is how I'm going to pronounce that name. And typically, the they will come up with some sort of special drink that that involves those. And and it's funny to actually watch the authors drink their own drinks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when Gail Carriger was there, she the, her drink was a little strong. She she was she was like, wow, 
that's a that's a pretty strong drink. So yeah, that's always that's always amusing. And and the keynotes a lot of times will also be at the BarCon, and you, and that's your opportunity to say hello to them, and and just kind of hang out. And and that's completely free, right? There's there's no charge for um, that. So. Except your bar tab. Except your bar tab, right. Which I've noticed that Carol never pays for a drink, so. I've done really well that way. <laughs> <laughs> you have to let me in on that secret. <laughs> well, Just it's, keep going back. Keep yes. going back. <laughs> and, and to Carol's point, there, there are, there's five words, essentially, that you can say to any author that will, if you want to sit down and actually have a conversation with them about writing or about their work or about you know anything involving fiction, there's five words you can say to them, which is, uh, can I buy you a drink or six words? Can I buy you a drink, right? And, and, and nine times out of 10, they'll say, absolutely, sure. And, and sit down with you and have a little conversation. So it's it's a nice little way to kind of wind down from the end of the day. You just go to BarCon and you hang out. And at, at the, what is it, the Marriott? They have this yes. really yes. this yes. really cool bar area. I mean, and it, and it kind of extends throughout the entire lobby. They've got this huge fireplace. They've got comfy chairs and couches. And they've got tables and, and all kinds of stuff where people can just sit and hang out and, and relax at night. And that tends to run easily for several hours at night before people start to fade and, and head to bed. And there are other magic, the, the real magic words that for a shy person, <laughs> you know, okay, I, I am I'm part of the, the league of shy persons. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing that a shy person can do when you think, oh, I couldn't possibly talk to anybody. All you have to do is write up, walk up to any person at a writer's conference and say, what do you write? Yes. And, you have a friend forever, and you have you know you you start building your network. So it was magic. So that's that's a very interesting thing that you just said, and a question to ask because there have there have been in the past workshops on how to answer that question, how to talk <laughs> about your own writing, and mm-hmm. so I'm curious, like uh, Evangeline, how how would you answer that question if someone said, "What do you write?" I would say I write YA fantasy, and I would also mention steampunk, although that's not my, I don't suppose that will be my focus forever. Would you, would you do a full-on like professional elevator pitch, or would you just be a little more casual about it? I would be more casual about it because I, the elevator pitch never comes out sounding the way I want it to. It, it sounds forced, so... Yeah, I would go with casual. Would you would you pull your book out of your bag and like hold it up <laughs> and say, "Well, as a matter of fact, I might pull a bookmark." <laughs> I always go, every, you know, everywhere I go, I have bookmarks, so uh, I I would do that. I love bookmarks. I do. Yeah, they're awesome. Warren, how would you answer that question if someone came up to you and said that? Yeah, for me, uh, I write science fiction noir, gritty detective stories, something like that, I would say. But uh, yeah, I agree. Totally conversational is usually the way to go. But it is important that you, you know, for anybody who's starting out as a writer, that you really start thinking about, you know, how can you take your story, which is really hard to do and boil it down to three or four sentences, you know, and give somebody a decent idea of what, uh, what kind of story it is, what kind of genre it is, you know, because that's, I mean, that's how we converse in the industry. And so it's really challenging because it's, it's so, you know, you have this big epic story in your mind and all these characters and all this stuff. But to, to you know, figure out what is the essence of what it is you've written uh, is really a key skill to develop. It is. And, and actually, it's one of the things that they teach, 
right? So, so <coughs> we, I mentioned a reading critique. There's also you can you basically you you can pitch an editor or an agent or an author or a publisher, whoever happens to be there that year. You can pitch them things, and then they can actually critique you and offer you feedback. But I am living proof. I am living proof that you can sell books without knowing having an elevator pitch. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> you can sell books at a writer's conference that you don't have to have a polished answer. I don't want anybody to be scared to go up and say, what do you write? Or have somebody ask them, what do you write? You just say, oh, I'm just beginning. Or I'm mm-hmm. just, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm mucking around with romance. Or I'm, you know, really trying to figure out how to, you know, I'm trying a lot of different things. That's Those are fine answers, too. And, yeah, eventually you're supposed to learn to do an elevator pitch, but I never learned to do that. But, you know, I did sell when I went in. So you can sign up for these pitch sessions, a 10-minute session with an editor or agent, and you can go in and pitch your book. And when I went into one, I, I really didn't know what to say. And, and so I said, well, it's about this guy, which is like the worst way <laughs> to start an elevator pitch. It's about this guy. And but, you know, I sold that person seven books eventually i sold her three that day and and so you don't have to be perfect you don't have to be afraid you you just go and learn and you you get to know people by saying what do you write well i you know i write this you know it yeah whatever <laughs> and uh, you know i'm curious i feel like we have a, a good diverse group here to chat with tonight because carol does epic fantasy evangeline does ya kind of steampunk fantasy and warren is doing science fiction and and warren i don't know is your is is are the difference between your two series the the new book versus the 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 cop books is it is it really dense is it hard sf is it is it more adventure is it mystery the cop novels are are mystery. The new novel, I wouldn't call it hard science fiction. You know, it's got some fantastic elements to it, but it's more of a a thriller with some really heavy overtones. Some, you know, hopefully some thought provoking depth. Okay. Well, and and the reason I bring it up is because it, it, I want to point out that when you go to this conference, there there are different types of authors for every possible genre. If you're a romance writer, there's romance writers. If you're if you're a science fiction person, there's science fiction people. You know, so there's there's always someone to talk to and there's someone that you're going to connect with and 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 have a good conversation with, which which is what I like. What I would be interested in and I know that Carol and I have talked about this before with her writing, I would like to know, you know, kind of what got everybody started and and what was that spark that that made you decide you wanted to start writing and let's let's start with you Evangeline what made you decide that you wanted to be a writer huh. it kind of runs in the family oh really my mother, yeah my mother is Denny K. Paul she wrote the Dragon Keeper Chronicles and, and she didn't talk you out of it she t- <laughs> no she didn't <laughs> yeah we won't go down that <laughs> that road <laughs> so writing stories reading was always part of my life and I have a degree in English. It's literally the only thing that my family can do. So, but I didn't start writing until uh, 2006 and I had a miscarriage and I just needed a creative outlet and started writing and it was just, it was me. It was, you know, what I needed. And I, you know, kept going, even though it was, it was a harder journey than I'd expected it to be. And it's kind of funny when I wrote Curio, I was kind of on the verge of quitting. Mm. And I was like, well, 
you know, nobody's ever going to take what I want to put out there because it's too weird. And, it, you know, I keep getting this, you know, you turn outside the box, whatever. So I'm just going to write what I want to write. And so I wrote Curio and it ended up being the one that, that an editor wanted. That's awesome. So, so it sounds like when you first sat down to write, it was almost like a, like a, a, an emotional venting for you. You needed an outlet. Right. I needed to be creative. And now, you know, when I talk to kids and I talk to kids in schools and, you know, do Skype visits and this and that, and I tell them creativity is your best addiction. It is your best way to deal with hard stuff because you get to take something hard and make something beautiful out of it. And it's going to make you feel better instead of worse, you know, whereas other ways of therapy and you know, some, sometimes the therapy that we pick that's not so healthy, you know, that brings us down, sure. but not creativity. So, Well, that's amazing. When, when did you decide that you wanted to share the writing with other people and, and try to get published? <laughs> well, pretty early on because my mother was a writer <laughs> and, and critique group, and so, uh, so I started going to a critique group pretty early on. Well, I, 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 I laugh about it because I've, I've had Laura Resnick on. And Laura's like, I grew up in a house full of writers. And I said to myself, no, I'm never going to do this crap. I'm going to go out and get a real job, and I'm going to be able to pay my bills. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, she she fell, and she started she started writing and, and, and selling stories and stuff. And she's like, and here I am. You know, now I'm, I'm a writer, and I'm writing stories just like Dad. And, yeah. and so it was just kind of funny that, that you know, she had that experience. So, so that's awesome. And, and – you said it was uh, 2005, 2006 is when you first started? 2006. Okay. Yep. And, and when, did you, when did you sell Curio? Uh, 2014, I believe. Okay. So that, that's, you know, they always say every overnight excess has 10 years of work behind it. So, yes. So mm -hmm. that's, that's awesome. You, you stuck with it and, and you changed. And it's funny that you mentioned, you know, you're too far outside the box. Uh, I love when people say, well, what we really want is something different. That's kind of oh, the same. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and <laughs> to, to segue this to Warren, I, I do love reading your wife's little things on Facebook about query letters. <laughs> Yeah, she's very uh, uh, thoughtful <laughs> and and sometimes rather humorous yes. uh, with the query letter post she does. Yes, yeah. yes, because I can see it totally happening, especially someone sent her a letter that basically had fields in it, you know, variable data fields, you know, insert name here, insert such and such <laughs> there, and they forgot to to clear those out and, and sent them anyway. Yes, that oh was that was hilarious. Because I can totally see a nerd like myself, you know, setting up some sort of template and doing that. Anyway, Warren, what about you? What was what was the catalyst? What got you going? You know, um, I just love to read. And so I was an avid reader and I'm one of those people who was reading all the time but also kind of questioning a little bit. Mm -hmm. You know, well it would have been cooler if the story did this or that, <laughs> you know, and there, there comes a time where you just have to kind of put up or shut up, I suppose, you know, and so I went for it. I just started writing cop. That was the first thing I ever wrote. I was and, very lucky. And it's cop with a K. Cop with a K. Yeah. Yes. K-O-P. So I started writing that in, boy, I, I think it was 2001 and sold it in 2002-ish, you know, year and a half to two years later. Finished it and sold it after doing major rewrites to it, mm -hmm. and uh, just been doing it ever since. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a, uh, you know, it's it, it's a creative outlet. You know, it's something that 
Sometimes oh, there, you know, I have bad days and all, and sometimes I get stuck in a story and I get kind of frustrated and everything. But for the most part, it's one of those activities that completely occupies your mind. It's one of those kind of freeing activities that takes your total concentration. And now you've spent two or three hours and you can't really uh, figure out where the time went. And and hopefully you have a product that you could be proud of at the end. So I've been doing it ever since. And Evangeline, you mentioned a, a critique group. Mm-hmm. I, I know that Warren also has a critique group. And, and I think I know everybody actually in your critique group, Warren. When did you join your group or, or this group or like the first group? Did you, did you have a group before this? Yeah, no, I did not have a group before this. And so I, I started out very self-taught and wrote my first two books just on my own. Uh, without hooking up with other writers, you know, I was, uh, you know, just tunnel visioned. <laughs> I didn't want to get slowed down by talking to other people. And when I came out of that, you know, I felt like, boy, you know, now, now it's time for me to, to grow some more. So I met Mario at NorwestCon. We're both here in Denver, but we met in Seattle at a convention there. And we're both from Denver, got to chatting. And he had this critique group with, uh, you know, we, we kind of think of it as his and Gene's, mm-hmm. Gene Stein is the other kind of primary founder of the group. And uh, they invited me in. Uh, and that was probably, boy, you know, maybe 2008 or so. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and been in the group ever since. Awesome. Um, and I think it's really, you know, hopefully I've been able to help them as well. But for the most part, you know, it's a selfish activity. <laughs> and- <laughs> right? Because I get to soak up their wisdom and, and try to grow as a writer and figure out when I haven't executed something quite right, what, what's the key? What, what do I need to do? Sure. So it's really, really helpful for anybody out there who, um, who may be starting out writing. I wouldn't advise my path. <laughs> I would advise hook up with, with other writers as soon as possible, even if you're uh, uh, an absolute beginner, because uh, you'll learn so much. Well, and that's interesting. So you, you have, you have Gene who writes, uh, if I'm not mistaken, mainly urban fantasy. Correct. And I know Mario writes all kinds of things. I know that Aaron writes all kinds of things. I know that Travis, he writes kind of all, he writes all kinds of things too. Cause he's had, he had the rogues of the black fury and he's got the sword of the Ronin books. Yeah. Some um, fantasy and some science fiction. And I he, he, he stays in speculative fiction. I would yeah. say, but he's all over the place within, within speculative fiction. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know what Angie writes. Angie has a romance. Okay. And she, she and I are actually right now, co-writing, co-authoring a project, which we're pretty excited about. I don't know that I want to go into too much detail because it's too early. I don't want to jinx it. Um, That's still cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're co-authoring a project and she's written uh, quite a few short stories that are speculative uh, fantasy science fiction. Well, and I'm just curious how you mentioned, you know, go out and get, you know, connected with other writers as soon as possible. How has, how has this group of people influenced you and, and, and made you a better writer? Well, I, I think, you know, it's really just, um, you know, there's so much, there's so many skills to be learned as a writer. You know, there's, there's prose, there's dialogue, there's how you do your dialogue tags, there's how you develop character, how you do description, uh, how you tell your plot, how you, you know, weave in rising stakes throughout. It's such a complex thing that even, uh, even though I, I, I've gotten two books published, you know, um, uh, you know, there, there's a lot of things I still didn't know, you know, and things that I could improve, improve upon. And really the only way to do that sometimes, because you can't, 
you know, you're too close to it. You know, your, 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 your eyes are on the project all the time. And, uh, and sometimes you need, uh, another person, uh, to see it with fresh eyes, um, and, and tell you what their perspective is and what they got out of it and, and the way they interpreted what you wrote, um, which then helps you hone. Okay. So here's where I missed, I missed the mark and you, you rewrite, you know, and then you submit it again. Um, and so it's a really lengthy learning process. You know, um, it's not, I mean, it's, it's like any of the arts really, you, you know, in order to, you know, kind of master your craft. And, and I don't know that any of us ever really quite consider ourselves masters, but, uh, to get to professional level of craft, uh, you, you need, you need people who can, uh, you know, who you can bounce ideas off of. And sometimes you need people who can, who can give you that key idea <laughs> that you're missing. You know, I can't quite make it work. And, and sometimes, you know, another writer uh, knows exactly what it is you need. And they say it. And as soon as they say it, you know, you can't believe that you didn't think of it yourself. Um, so, so yeah, it's, it's been a great help to me. Um, and, uh, you know, so, yeah, I definitely recommend it. That's awesome. And one of the things that I've always said about writing is you, you kind of start and it's a very solitary thing and you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're writing and you're thinking, wow, this is really good. And, and then you want to share it with someone and, and, and get their opinion. And so, of course, you take it to mom and, <laughs> and, and mom loves you and she tells you it's wonderful. But really, you need a critique group because <laughs> mom loves you. Yes. Now, Evangeline, you, you might have you might have a different story considering who your mom is. <laughs> yeah. But I, I'm curious on, on your critique group. When did you how did you find them? When did you go seeking them? And what do you get from them? Well, that is funny because, yes, my mom was in my first critique group. <laughs> and yes, she did love everything I did because she's my mom. And I still, of course, learned a lot from her and learned a lot from the different, you know, as the critique group changed, it was kind of her group. You know, she was the founder. Okay. And, and I learned a lot from them. But around the time that I decided to quit, in quotation marks, because I really, you know, I wasn't quitting. I was just going to do what I wanted to do. Um, I went uh, to a different critique group with some good friends. Um, Cindy Madsen is one, and she um, is a Pikes Peak writer as well and uh, Brandy Valance, and I learned so much from them. And so I'm still in a group with them, and also now um, Bob Spiller is in there and Mandy Hauk. So, yeah, some I think, you, you know, you kind of change, and sometimes you need a new, a fresh perspective. I know I was doing great with uh, Brandy and Cindy. It was just us, and then, and I learned so much from them. Cindy's dialogue is amazing amazing and brandy's just a master at tone and then bob came in and kind of like nailed me on the logic and i needed that that was like the next step so sometimes having a new person come in and take a look at your work is just what you need absolutely and and i'm nodding my head as you're as you're saying all these things <laughs> and and carol I, I seem to remember in that reading critique you you talked a lot and not just with me you, you talked a, a lot about dialogue being huge and important Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I love writing dialogue. There's nothing more fun for me than having two characters that I've gotten to know really well who've, you know, who've lived with me for a long time and 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 being able their dialogue will just flow out of, uh, you know, just just flow for me and I there's nothing better. That's when to me that's writing nirvana when you have uh two characters that sometimes it takes a book or two books <laughs> to to get that way but 
um, yeah, having having characters that will just speak for themselves. I I really enjoy that a lot. And it's and it, it is a skill, right? It has to be. Oh, learned. absolutely, it is a skill. Absolutely, um, dialogue in fiction is not a replication of human speech. <laughs> I, I think that's the first big thing you learn because we we jump all over the place. We uh, you know we hem and haw. We it, um, fragments. People say, oh, well, we don't. You know, you shouldn't ever write fragments. Well, you should write fragments in dialogue because you, what you're doing is you're um, evoking the feel of human dialogue. So, you know, certainly you're not using correct grammar all the time. You're, but, but you're uh, a lot of times human dialogue, real human conversation doesn't go anywhere, and because your space in on a fictional page is so limited that. Um, it's just like an action scene. It needs to be choreographed. You have an emotional choreography and you have a, um, the verbal choreography um, that have to go hand in hand. And so it needs, like every scene, to, to increase the tension, to reveal character. You have purpose. Yeah, there's there's just a whole lot that goes into creating good fictional dialogue. And you you can look at your dialogue and say, well, but this is just the way people talk. But it doesn't necessarily work on the page that way. Very cool. Now, I'm, I'm actually running out of time with all three of you. So I, I want to talk a little bit about your, your current novels. Carol, you have Ash and Silver out, which is is part of it's a sanctuary novel. Yes, it's the second of two. It's the second of two. So mm-hmm. is it going to be? It's going to be a duology. So this is it. Yes, this, this okay. is it. It's done. Yes. Awesome. And, and which is not to say that I wouldn't necessarily sometime consider writing another duology in the same world, <laughs> which I never thought I would do before this book. <laughs> and, and is it uh, is it Lucian or Lucian? Lucian. Lucian. And Lucian. Tell, tell, tell us about him. Lucian is an artist. He's a sorcerer and, a, and an artist in a, in a world where sorcerers are considered um, quite elite. They're separate from the rest of the world. Um, they live by very strict rules, but they're very rich. They contract their services out to whoever can afford them. And they consider their, their magic um, a, a gift from the gods. And Lucian buys into this. Um, he really believes it. And uh, the the first book, Dust and Light, starts out with Lucian losing his job and as a portrait artist. And he ends up in a, a, a kind of a humiliating um, series of events. He ends up drawing portraits for a, a city coroner. And... Um, it, it, to help to identify the dead. So when dead are brought into the, you know, the this necropolis in this great city, um, and people don't know who they are, it's it's very hard to go around and figure out who they are. And he's the coroner's found out that people pay to know if their neighbor's dead or if their son is dead or whatever. And it turns out Lucian's portraits can, because of, he has magic, they can show truth. And... This gets him into a lot of trouble because his portraits, <laughs> his portraits, well, that happens to all my heroes and heroines, but um, his portraits actually um, show things that he couldn't possibly know. And he doesn't quite understand how this is happening. And it, it gets him into a lot of trouble. And uh, 
So it takes him two books to figure out where all this trouble is coming from and where it's going to lead him. And it leads him um, to some very strange places. And this book is available on ebook, on paperback, on Audible. It's everywhere. Yes, yes. It's it comes. It's published by Penguin Putnam, um, uh, the rock science fiction mm-hmm. fantasy imprint of Penguin Putnam, and so it's everywhere. Dust and light, and then Ash is the first book. Ash and Silver is the second. That's awesome. And then uh, Evangeline, I have a question for you that mm-hmm. I hope you can answer. Huh. Uh, why? Does Gray detest the chemists? <laughs> um, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I'm talking about your book, which is Curio. Yes, which is Curio. Um, Curio is set in an alternate history um, mining town in kind of Colorado around the turn of the 20th century. And it's very repressive, very controlling. They make the women wear red. There's laws against touching, uh, basically because the chemists keep track of all reproduction because they're looking for people with certain abilities. And so, you know, of course, who wouldn't hate that? What 16-year-old wouldn't hate um, that she has to walk down the street and be aware of everyone around her and make sure that she doesn't accidentally touch anyone? Um, But it kind of goes deeper than that. The whole population is dependent on this potion. And um, except for Gray's father and her grandfather. And so what they do is kind of take their rations to um, the refugees up in the mountains who are sick and need help. Uh, But they've always made Gray take her potion because it's against the law not to. Until one night when her uh, best friend tries to help her and ends up being taken by... um, the kind of enforcers, the chemist's enforcers. And so she decides she's going to give him her potion because he's punished severely. And that kind of sets off the whole chain of events, and she ends up being um, on the run. And so they hide her away in this enchanted curio cabinet where all the porcies, the or the curios, which are uh, porcelain people and talk people, have come to life. And she has to kind of find the hero in there and then get out. The twist, though, is that she's she's actually the hero. Very cool. That's awesome. Hey, Warren. Thank you. Yes. Let's talk about rebellion. Okay. There's a rebellion going on in your book. Yeah, in uh, Tides of Maritania. The, uh, yeah, the premise is that there's a vast empire and um, many, many, yeah, <laughs> not not quite the same. Um, but uh, uh, anyway, they, there's this vast empire, and they have many, many, many worlds. And the way the empire uh, keeps control of their most distant worlds that they can't really control via their military, they uh, control the economy and they control technology. And so uh, this world is this distant, distant world on the edge of the empire. Uh, and it's uh, kind of a Stone Age style world, right? There's no uh, no technology there whatsoever, uh, and the world has rebelled. And so my uh, protagonist Jacob uh, is sent to the world, uh, and so he's he's a spy, and he's going to try to infiltrate the government there and try to figure out why it rebelled, as well as try to prepare for the empire's return. And of course, he gets there, and things are much more. Uh, complicated uh, than he expected. And hilarity oh, and, ensues. Yeah, and hilarity <laughs> ensues, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's made more complex. He's got a uh, 
an artificial intelligence in his head who is his who is his boss um, and who sees every you know sees through his eyes and he hears through his ears and so he's got kind of this uh, internalized big brother uh, uh, kind of monitoring everything he does and so uh, uh, when he starts having doubts about the empire it gets very complicated for him wow that sounds awesome see these are the people who if you went to the conference could be teaching you how to be better writers that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Well, you know what? As I said earlier, we are out of time. So I want to I wanna thank each and every one of you for coming on tonight. I, I like to do a little thing called Final Words, which is your opportunity to say, you know, whatever you want to our listeners and anything that I may have forgotten. So, uh, Warren, do you have any final words? Uh, well, I hope to see some people at Pikes Peak. Mm-hmm. Uh, please come up and say hi and let me know that you listened to the, the podcast mm-hmm. here. And... Um, Go Barcon. <laughs> <laughs> and Warren, what's your website again? Oh, it's uh, warrenhammond.net. Very cool. And do you like people to come find you on social media? Sure. Uh, I'm on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter. Um, I can't say that I log on every day, but um, I am there, and you can contact me uh, no problem at all. And I believe recently we just became Facebook friends, so that's awesome. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you haven't unfriended me yet, which is even better. True. True. I'm waiting until this is over. <laughs> Evangeline, how about you? Any any final thoughts? Um, I echo what Warren said. Definitely come to Pikes Peak Writers and you know come up and say hi to me. I don't bite. And also, I just want to add that I was in a class that Carol Berg taught several years ago, <laughs> and I still use her editing tips, and it was fantastic. And so you know, the stuff that you're going to get at Pikes Peak Writers is going to be good stuff that you're going to use. Yep. And Carol is awesome. I just try not to tell her that because, you know, her ego. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and your website again. EvangelineDenmark.com. Awesome. Carol, how about you? Oh, the same thing. Just, um, you know, I love to I love to visit with writers and readers. I think it's just the most fun thing, whether it's uh, at the conference or on Facebook. Um, my longtime readers will tell you that, you know, we've we've gone to out to dinner. We've we've just done tons of stuff. You know, I, I love to meet it. It's just the greatest thing. I come from a, a software engineering background, you know, where we sit in our little cubes and we do our little thing. And, and then, you know, you might have a drink sometime and then you go home. But um, writing we also sit in our little cubes, you know, to write. And I'm, I, I, I'm one who I have to be, you know, alone or, or in a group of similarly uh, focused people in order to write. But um, the there is a lot of um, social fun to be had from just getting together with people who love what you love. So join us. It's and and Pikes Peak is great because. Yeah, it's my it's my history. <laughs> so it's terrific. That's wonderful. And I do remember you talking about you you taking readers like to dinner and stuff at Worldcon or something or having Oh yeah. Oh yeah, we yeah, we meet up. Um, you know, I've I've had people uh, you know, I have one reader that um, started reading my books when she's four, when she was 14, which that's pretty young for because my books are pretty um, they're well, you know, they're adult in nature, and just in the complexity of psychological and, sure. and so forth. And they're not, you know, super sexy or anything. My poor heroes—they never get any. But, um, the, uh, the, you know, she's now, you know, in in her like fifth year of getting her PhD, and it's just 
you know, and, and I've managed to follow her all through that. And it's so fun. And she's one of Bob Spiller's ex-students. Um, oh, nice. Which, you know, <laughs> it comes around, you know, it comes yeah. around because Bob Spiller was in like the first Oh, when I won the contest the second year, he he came in second that year, and we were in the oh. same reading, reading, um, reading critique on Friday afternoon, and and so it just you know it's just it, that's part of the foundation of this network that's that makes it so delightful. And yeah. and they will, I will say this, uh, PPW and and the conference folks, they they make you feel very welcome. Yes. Yes. And so yes. it's a very warm and inviting group of people. So uh, yes. if you're if you're nervous, if you're first time, if you're if you're an introvert, you know, if you're shy, don't worry about it. Just it's yes. this is the place to come. And I always talk about this with conventions too, right? Like Mile High Con. Mile High Con is a great yes. place to come because you will meet the people that are your tribe and who like things that you like, and will absolutely sit down and talk to you for three hours about Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it's wonderful. Right. Yeah. All righty. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Patrick. Thank, Thank you. And we'll see everybody at Pikes Peaks Writers. All right. It's Pikes Peaks. I know. I don't know. I don't know why I have to put the second only S on one. there. Just I know. Think. Shannon yells at me. I know. Yeah. But I don't How? know why. I have to do it. <laughs> I don't know. Shannon is going to beat it out of me. She is. She's I trying. Hope. She's All trying right. so hard. Believe me. Good. Good. Pikes All right. Peak. Writers. There's only one mountain called yes. Pike's yes. Peak. Yes. yes. All right. <laughs> Good. Thank you, Carol. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Hugo Award-winning SF Signal podcast. Your host is Patrick Hester, an author, a blogger, and a functional nerd. His website is www.atfmb.com, which stands for all things from my brain. ATFMB is also his Twitter handle and where you can find him on Facebook. Our podcast is available for download every week at sfsignal.com or via iTunes. Look for the links to subscribe in the sidebar at sfsignal.com or search SFSignal in iTunes. If you enjoyed this podcast, please tell your friends and have them tell their friends and their friends and so on and so on. Visit the Hugo Award-winning sfsignal.com for all of your speculative fiction needs. John D. and the SF Signal regulars offer up new content every day, from weekly mind melts featuring your favorite authors, editors, and artists from the SF and F field, to book reviews, original articles and essays, fiction deals, movie reviews, videos, links and roundup posts, and more. Click the RSS button in the sidebar of your browser to ensure you never miss a post. The SF Signal podcast is powered by the functional nerds. Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou, Romeo? Angry um, robot. It's like talking to a child. Magic wooey. Thinking and crap. I don't even know what hey. the horseman is. And scene, you bastard.